Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. We're going to do something a little different today. Uh, it's 4.30 Eastern Time, 3.30 Central Time, uh, early Monday morning um, after the Golden State Warriors won their 72nd game of the season. They're now 72-9 and after beating the San Antonio Spurs by a score of 92-86. to uh, and in uh, in one of the most anticipated games in a long time, um, you know, I've been saying for a few days I'm going to do a solo pod, and I figured this would be a good time to do it before I have to go get on another flight to yet another city as part of my uh, my tour around the west uh, the western part of the country over the last couple of weeks um, as I follow the Golden State Warriors around. But um, I thought I'd start out with a few minutes on the uh, on the Spurs Warriors game, and then get into uh, a bunch of the questions you guys have sent me over the last few days, which have all been great. Um, want to try to do this a little more regularly, especially during the playoffs. Maybe do it once every couple of days. Um, you know, get some game, get some questions about the different series, and and just kind of riff on what's happening. But um, as far as as far as Sunday night's game goes, I think you know I, I said this to a lot of people who were at the game tonight with me. I really feel like watching these games. You know, yes, Boris Diaw hasn't played in the last two games. Yes, Tim Duncan didn't play today, although we'll get to why that doesn't really matter in a minute. But it really feels like the San Antonio Spurs are drawing dead when they play the Warriors. Um, The simple reason being this. They just can't score enough to stay with the Warriors. You look at this game tonight, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge was terrific. Uh, Kawhi Leonard scored a lot of points but wasn't efficient, and nobody else could really score at all. And specifically, nobody else on the Spurs made any threes. And to me... If the Spurs are going to beat the Warriors uh, in a game, they're going to have to do it by LaMarcus and Kawhi both having huge games, and they're going to need their role players, and specifically Danny Green, to make shots. If those guys cannot step up and make threes and give teams a reason to do something then besides just focus on those, those two stars, it's just going to be really hard for the Spurs to be able to get the offense they're going to need to win to win these games um you know you look at this game sunday night the game basically went exactly as san antonio would want it to uh the spurs really limited the tempo of the game um they 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 kind of they turned it in kind of a a slug fest it it was it was reminiscent of the the way the spurs would win games you know 10 years ago and 15 years ago and you know tim duncan would score 35 points and they'd win you know get 15 rebounds and they'd win 78 to 75 you know, I mean, that was just kind of it was it felt like that kind of game, which is exactly the kind of game they want, because they know they can't get in a track meet with the Warriors and win. But you look at you look at Golden State and you look at what you look at what Golden State can do. And, you know, even tonight, you know, Steph Curry has 37 points, goes 13 for 22 from the field, four for nine from three. Nobody else on the on the Warriors really did anything. But that was enough having one guy go off was enough to beat the Spurs. Um, Danny Green, 1 for 7 overall, 0 for 6 from 3. You know, Tony Parker, 2 for 7, so minus 12 in the game. Um, you know, they, they went 3 for 17 from 3 as a team. I mean, I mean, it just it really underscores that if the, if the, if the Spurs are going to do this and they're going to they're gonna win a potential series with the Warriors, they've got to slow the game down, 
They've got to make threes, and they've got to try to get it to where the game becomes a possession per, you know, one possession, one team, one possession, another team, you know, possession by possession game the last few minutes, and they can have Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge try to win the game against, you know, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. You know, I, I think if the Spurs can get to that scenario, they'll take whatever the outcome is. You know, I think that that seems to be the only path for them to win. Talking to uh, the excellent Spurs beat writer uh, who's been on this podcast for Jeff McDonald from the San Antonio Express News, you know, the kind of the example we came up with was, you know, like when the when the New York Giants beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl the first time when the Patriots were undefeated and they had this offense that could come in and score 50 points a game and the Giants, the only way the Giants are going to win that game is if they won it 17-14, which I'm pretty sure was the final score and just kind of won a, a knockdown, drag out fight and, and knocked Tom Brady around and, and really, really kept the game from getting into a track meet because they had no chance of winning a track meet. And it looks like to me that's how this series would have to play out. The obvious problem with that for San Antonio is that if you have to do that on, in a seven-game series, that means you have to do it at least four times. And if you only do it four times, you have to win every single time. And chances are Golden State's going to win at least one blowout. So I'm not ruling out the Spurs yet. I think Boris Diaw being out of the lineup is a huge loss for them. He allows them to both play big and small at the same time, um, which isn't a joke about Boris's figure. It's it's true. He's a very versatile player. He kind of negates some of what Draymond Green brings to the Warriors a little bit. And, you know, he at least gives them the ability to try to do some of the versatile things that Golden State does, even if they don't quite have, you know, Stephen Curry to to counter with. But, you know, the 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 bottom line is it's it's hard to see Boris being a big enough difference to really think that at the end of the day, you know, Golden State is going to be able to find a you know, that San Antonio find a way to beat Golden State, barring any kind of a significant injury which we don't have. But that being said, tonight's game was wildly fun. Um Really good execution on both sides. You know, the, the game was kind of sloppy, but, you know, was, uh, both teams were getting a lot of shots that they, they should make and then just didn't make them. You know, Danny Green missed several wide-open threes. Um, Sean Livingston during the game missed several open shots. It seemed like – seemed like and Clay Thompson, I think. Clay Thompson, I think, went 2 for 10. All right, he was he was 2 for 10 earlier in the game. He ended up 6 for 14. He made his last few shots. But, um, but it, it just – it was a game where, you know – Everything was kind of in position for team for the players to do um, to to get the shots they wanted and to to play the way they wanted, but they they just couldn't do it, and uh, you know so that made the the score a little bit lower than you'd expect. But um, but it, but again, you know it, it it did just kind of underscore to me the the issues that the Spurs are going to have in a series with the Warriors, and that they just can't keep up. Real quick on Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's completely unplayable against the against the Warriors. Um, it's only been reinforced watching how the game went today. Um, he just can't guard Stephen Curry in these pick and rolls. And if if he's on the court with Stephen Curry, if the Warriors just start running pick and rolls every play, I, I don't know what the, his recourse is. I, I don't know how he is able to stay on the court. Um, I, I think the best case scenario for him in the series with Golden State is that Duncan plays when every second that Curry isn't on the court. You know, whenever Curry goes to the bench, Duncan immediately checks in, and he gets, you know, 8, 10, 12 minutes a game, maybe a little more scoring on, 
you know, the second unit of the, of the Warriors going up against Festus Azili or Mo Spates or, or whoever is guarding him inside and, uh, um, you know, kind of wreak some havoc that way. But it's just hard to see how he can do anything at the other end. And I, um, I, I you know, it's a, it's kind of a, a fascinating scenario given, you know, how great a player Duncan has been, even, even been very effective this year. But um, it just doesn't seem like this is a matchup that is going to work out for him um, just because of his lack of mobility and the fact that Curry, when he gets into pick-and-roll situations, is just so deadly. And one one note quick on Curry. I, I, it was on press row, we, we were just kind of laughing. When Curry basically just tossed in a 75-footer just after the buzzer in the third quarter, almost looking like he was you know, throwing a... a you know, some paper towels and a garbage can across the room. Um, it, it it just kind of underscored the fact that the biggest surprise to everybody watching was that not that the, even the shot went in, but that it didn't count. Um, Curry's really just a really just become an unbelievable spectacle. Um, some of the shots he was making uh, in the third quarter when he scored 16 points by himself to to kind of get. You know, get the Warriors a bit of an advantage um, in the game, and then you know he comes in in the fourth quarter. He immediately makes kind of a circus shot on one possession, then gets a steal, then feeds Clay Thompson on the ensuing fast break for a dunk, and and that was really the game. You know, the the Spurs didn't really come back from that, even though there were five minutes to go and they're only down nine. That just kind of signaled the end of the game, and 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 uh, you know, kind of showed that that this was going to be the Warriors' night, and now. You know, they get a couple days to think about it, but, you know, with game 73 against Memphis at our game 82 for the potential to win number 73 at home against Memphis on Wednesday, I think the fact that Memphis gave Golden State such a hard time Saturday night in Memphis is going to lead to this being a rout of some kind. Maybe they don't win by 30, but I think they'll win comfortably in going away. Um, I, I, I just think any potential to overlook the Grizzlies after winning such a monumental game against the Spurs, um, I, I think will be overshadowed by the fact that, you know, just a few days ago, Memphis, or, you know, at that point, and for right now, you know, 24 hours ago, Memphis, by all rights, really should have won the game. And only by, you know, the, the Warriors just dragging themselves over the finish line and not allowing this chance to make history going away, get away from them at the last minute, you know, we're able to kind of, you know, escape, escape from defeat at the, the very last moment in time. But I, uh, you know, it's just hard to see Memphis after that performance, especially because they're going to play Saturday or Tuesday, Tuesday night in Los Angeles against the Clippers in a game. They're probably going to have to play everybody in because they want to try to move up to play the Clippers in the playoffs uh, they could potentially try to get out of playing the Spurs in the playoffs. It's it, the West, the the bottom of the West is still very unsettled. But, um, you know, I, it's just hard to see it happening. And you know, I'll be I'll be at Oracle Arena in Oakland for the game. And and it, if it does happen, it just really would be an incredible achievement to think about the fact that you know this Warriors team would break you know the '96 Bulls record. And and even just two years ago, I mean, this team was kind of a a, a you know a, a discombobulated mess. They they fired Mark Jackson after a first round loss of the Clippers, and you know they were a fun team that people liked, but it was still hard to see if they were going to be a team that could really take a leap forward to become a 
you know, a true top of the West contender. And, you know, not only do they do that, they blow through the whole league last year and win the title, skipping seemingly a few steps along the way. And then, you know, this year they come out and they, they might have a chance to be the, the, the greatest team of all time. And, you know, if they win this game on Wednesday night and there goes 73-9 and nine, and they go into the playoffs, you know, with a chance to defend a title with the best regular season record of all time, if they come away with a championship at the end of that, you have to end any conversation about what team is the best team of all time. It would be the Golden State Warriors. There's really no, there'd be no questioning it at this point. And it would just be an unbelievable achievement and something I frankly didn't think I would see. So um, it should be it should be very fun to, to follow that along. And, and the next couple of days leading up to that are going to be pretty great. But with that being said, uh, you guys sent me a bunch of questions. Uh, I'm going to try to rip through a bunch of them here. Uh, We'll see how many we can get through. Um, We'll start with, uh, if the Bulls don't make the playoffs, how do you improve the roster to turn it into a contender again? Do you trade Jimmy Butler from Luke? Uh, I I don't think you can trade Jimmy Butler right away. Um, I, I mean, I guess if you get just an obscene value back for him, you'd have to think about it. Um, I think, I think if you're in Chicago, though, you really have to look at the situation there. Um, if you're the Bulls and their front office, and you know, look, it was not a secret that Fred Hoiberg was going to be the coach of this team last year. Um, after all of the issues that went on with Tom Thibodeau and management, and you know, the fact of the matter is, this is on management now. You know, this when you fire a coach like Tom Thibodeau and you bring in your guy and you don't make the playoffs. The heat comes back to you. And, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, has long been in the corner of management. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but there's going to be a lot of heat in Chicago for this team missing the playoffs. And if, you know, if the Bulls don't make the playoffs next year, you know, it, things could start to get hot there and people could start to get upset because this was a team that, you know, was consistently getting into the playoffs, getting to the second round, get it, got to the conference finals once. Um, was a fun team to watch. Um, you had some unfortunate injury luck between you know what happened with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah going down at times. But you know, for the criticism that that Tom Thibodeau got for that, it seems like that stuff has continued after he left. So I'm not sure how much you could blame him for that either. So there's a lot happening here with the Bulls, and I think this summer is going to be very fascinating. And again, while I don't think they should trade Jimmy Butler, I think that it would be fascinating if he did get put on the market because I think he'd have a heck of a heck of a lot of people, you know, specifically teams like Boston and Philly and these teams with a lot of assets really coming after the Bulls trying to do whatever it could to get them. Um, from Justin, uh, if Kemba Walker performs like he has lately, can Charlotte do damage in the East? No. Uh, I think Steve Crawford's done an incredible job. I think he's going to be in my top three coach of the year. He might finish second um, in, my, in my personal ballot. However... I just don't think that Charlotte can get by any of these teams in the middle of the pack. Um, you know, even though they have a similar record to Boston, Miami, and, and Atlanta, I think whoever they get, you know, right now it looks like probably Atlanta. Uh, I just don't think they have enough to get out of the first round. But that should not uh, diminish the job that Steve Clifford has done with a team that has got a lot of misfit parts that you know he's cobbled together. Him and Rich, you know, Rich Joe, the GM, they've both done an excellent job. You know, Joe went out and got a lot of undervalued talent, and, and Clifford has, has coached it up. And, 
you know, with guys like Nick Batum going to be a free agent there, and Jeremy Lin's going to be a free agent. He's played well for Charlotte. They, it's going to be an interesting offseason to see how much of this team they can keep together and then hopefully get Michael K. Gilchrist back next year healthy um, after having a, a couple issues with his labrum and his shoulder, you know, to try to build on this and, and get back in the playoffs again. Uh, from Michael, uh, talk about Vancouver's basketball team, your recollections and conclusion for why the team was ultimately unsuccessful. Um, I don't remember a lot about the Grizzlies. I mean, the things that stand out to me are Steve Francis getting drafted and not wanting to play there, uh, which I think is something that really crippled that franchise from a PR standpoint. You know, I think if, if Francis had gone and played there, I think things might have worked out a little differently, but it's not fair to put it on Steve Francis. I, I, I think, you know, David Stern has said a bunch of times that leaving Vancouver's on it is, is, you know, maybe his biggest regret is owner our owner as commissioner of the NBA. And uh, I think it's a real shame, you know, no offense to Memphis, um, but it's a real shame that there isn't a team in Vancouver, just like it, again, no offense to Oklahoma City. It's a real shame there isn't a team in Seattle. And, you know, perhaps when they when there is expansion in the NBA, which I, I think is, I don't want to say in the not-too-distant future, but uh, it's going to happen at some point. You'd think they'd get the 32 uh, 32 teams at some point to even out the con- you know even everything out get to 16 teams in each conference. Um, I I could see them going with Seattle and Vancouver both uh, in there. Or Seattle and Vegas. I think Seattle's definitely getting a team, and then Vancouver'd be in the running for a second. And um, it's a great city, and it, it would be cool if they got another shot to have a uh, to have a team moving forward. Um, from Mental Health Sports which is an interesting uh, Twitter handle. Uh, who are some guys you like in the upcoming free agent class considering the cap spike so you have to pick some, some value guys? Uh, value guys at free agency are going to be tough because I don't know if there is going to be such a thing given the way that uh, given the way that the salaries are going to bounce up. I would be looking for guys who are young that are either restricted free agents or guys that are coming off of restricted deals that, that have the potential to maybe outplay what you're going to pay them. Uh, guys like, uh, you know, I'm biased with this because he went to my college, but I think Andrew Nicholson with the Orlando Magic could be a guy like this. A guy who hasn't played a ton with Orlando, but it's a guy that could, you know, can score for you off the bench, can shoot some threes as a stretch four. Um, you know, could be had for a fairly cheap price depending on if he gets uh, a qualifying offer from the Magic. Uh, a guy like Maurice Harkless with the, with the Trailblazers uh, is another guy like that. Uh, if teams are scared away from Myers Leonard because of his shoulder, maybe he would be a guy worth taking a risk on. Um, Jeremy Lin maybe is a guy who could have some value, depending on how teams see how he did this year in Charlotte. It, but it's just kind of hard to say right now because um, that this summer is going to be such a mess, and, and everyone is just so uncertain about how it's going to go that to try to project out anything like that really at the moment is, uh, is pretty tough. Um, from Ray, who is a scary first-round opponent for the Spurs? The scariest opponent they could get is Portland. Portland can make things a little interesting. They're not losing to Portland or anybody else, barring catastrophic injuries. So um, I think that's the end of that. Uh, from Chris Reichert, a uh, very good D-League follow. You should definitely uh, – writes for Upside Motor. You should definitely keep an, keep an eye on him and, and follow him if you're interested at all in the D-League, uh, which you should be because it is becoming a more and more important part of the NBA. And to his, his question, do you think the NBA should add hybrid roster spots or better use of D-League as a true minor league? Absolutely. I think that is something that isn't really feasible, though, until there are 30 teams and you have a true minor league system. 
um, which I think is going to probably happen by 2020. That's a guess. It might happen sooner. Um, I think within the next three or four years, everyone will have their own D-League team. And when that happens, I will be very surprised if there isn't some kind of two-way contract system like there is in hockey and baseball where you can you know, bring guys up and, and send them down, and, and it, it is kind of a fluid thing um, at the end of the roster. Um, from EDM Canada, uh, if Gar Pax, I mean Gar Foreman and John Pax with the Bulls, want to recruit Fred Hoiberg type of free agents in the offseason, who will be their top five targets? Who will be let go and traded? Um, I, I imagine the Bulls are going to try to do what most teams are doing and get more shooting and more athletic on the wings. That's what everybody in the NBA wants to do right now. The problem is there aren't enough wings to do that. So um, I, I think you'll be looking for smart players, guys that can shoot threes. Um, maybe somebody like Jared Dudley would make some sense. I, I don't know about five targets. Uh, who will be let go and traded? Uh, I don't think Pau Gasol. You know, Pau Gasol doesn't seem like he fits. I don't know if Joakim Noah fits. I would think they both might leave. You know, maybe you try to explore a Derrick Rose trade, but I don't know what the, where that stands, and I don't know how many teams would be after him. He'd have one year left on his deal at over $20 million. Um, You know, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, from the great John Greenberg um, from The Athletic uh, in Chicago. Uh, we're going to have John on the podcast soon. He is great. You should definitely follow him. Uh, he's a terrific writer, does a great job in Chicago. Uh, where will Tibbs coach next season, and will that team have a better record than the Bulls? I don't know where Tibbs is going to coach. I'm sure he's going to coach somewhere. I don't know where. Um, I think the internet would kind of like him to go to Minnesota. I don't think Sam Mitchell is going to get let go. So I'm assuming Sam Mitchell's back. He could maybe end up with the Lakers. Um, it, 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 it's you know he could end up with the Knicks if you know if if it comes down to to James Dolan maybe sending um, sending Phil Jackson packing if he doesn't like what he's trying to do with the coaching job there. Um, though that also seems unlikely. Uh, so I don't know quite where 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 Tibbs will end up, but I, I and I, and so I can't really say whether they'll have a better record than Chicago. But I will say this: if Tibbs goes to the Timberwolves, they will definitely have a better record than Chicago. My bold prediction for next season is I think Minnesota wins fifty games. Um, from and that's no matter who their coach is. Uh, from Randy, uh, could you see us oh seven Mavs like upset? like the Spurs, Warriors, Raptors, or Cavs losing the first round. The Raptors could lose in the first round. The Raptors have to prove to me they can win a series um, in the playoffs. The fact of the matter is they have lost two straight series as the higher-seeded team. They got swept last year as a higher-seeded team, which never happens. Um, they, they lost a Game 7 at home the year before to the Nets, who aren't exactly considered to be the toughest opponent um, even back then. Um, so... They need to prove they can win a series. And I'll tell you what, if Toronto plays Detroit, that is a series that you could see Detroit win. Um, I, I think I think Toronto's going to be rooting really hard for the Pacers. Indiana's kind of slumping into the playoffs here. I think they would beat them. But but Toronto-Detroit is a series I'd like to see, and I think it could be really fun. Uh, from Jason, is OKC really one solid 3 and D guy from being on Golden State and San Antonio's level, or is their style of play too suboptimal to get there? I don't know if one 3 and D guy gets them there. I will say this. They have a hell of a lot better chance of beating either of those teams. They had a guy like Courtney Lee on their team. You know, the fact of the matter is they traded for Randy Foy. Randy Foy is not going to be a difference maker for them. A guy like Courtney Lee would have been. I don't know if they could get Courtney Lee. I don't know if maybe Memphis wouldn't trade in Oklahoma City. I don't know. But I, I, if, I, if I was the Thunder, I'd be kicking myself for not finding a way to get him because that is the guy they have been looking for for about five years and haven't been able to do it. 
uh, from Braden. Not sure if you saw the ABC graphic that showed KC's point differential and how by quarter and how bad it is in the fourth. I didn't see the graphic, however, from watching Oklahoma City. I am not surprised to hear that, given um, given how many games they have blown in the fourth quarter, either just giving up leads or just making bonehead decisions late in games. Um, that is the biggest question to me beyond some of the, the on-court issues in terms of fit. You know, Can Oklahoma City in a tight game against San Antonio in the second round and against the Warriors and the potential Western Conference Finals make the plays they need to to win these games? I'm not sold that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, from Devin, is Draymond Green's season this year better than Scottie Pippen's in 1996 or best of any Pippen season with MJ? I'd have to go back and look at Scottie Pippen's seasons to tell you for sure how I feel about this, but I will say this. I was talking to um, somebody earlier, and I, I and actually, you know, I was talking to a couple of you about this the last few days. I feel like Scottie Pippen is maybe the most underrated player in the last 30 or 35 years. Um, I, I think that you look at those Jordan teams that won championships, they had two star players, really. Uh, Horace Grant was the third best player on the first group, and, you know, Dennis Rodman's a, a terrific player, but. I don't know if he's just kind of a weird, unique player in terms of how his fit was and how he didn't really ever score and did different things. Um, and Scottie Pippen was a, a monster on those teams. And I, I just don't know if he's ever gotten the proper credit for the amount of stuff he could do on the court. So um, I don't know if he's, a, I don't know if Draymond's having a season that good. I, I'd really have to dig into the numbers, but um I I would I am going to probably do that and, and see if I can come up with an answer because uh, I'd be curious to see. But, yeah, but I, I really think Pippen overall has just been very underrated as a player and as a, a guy in terms of his place in history. Uh, from Josh, is Sean Kilpatrick's good play so far a fluke or could be a re- reliable rotation guy going forward? I don't know if he's a reliable rotation guy. He seems to pretty clearly be a, a, a reliable NBA player. Um, he's got to get his own shot. He doesn't seem that interested in playing defense. Then again, the Nets as a whole really haven't seemed that interested in playing defense. So maybe if they have a little more structure, or different some different pieces around him next season, maybe that's different. But um, Kilpatrick's been a fun guy to watch, uh, which the Nets have desperately needed. And he's been kind of a breath of fresh air in what's otherwise been a disappointing season. So at least the Nets have that that they can, uh, they can point to, that they found him. Uh, from Taylor, how does Curry's two years, two prime years, compare to MJ, Magic, LeBron, uh, Kobe, etc.? Um, Steph Curry's season this year by PER is one of the ten best of all time. The only guys with better seasons than him, I believe, are Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Will Chamberlain. So uh, it's right up there with anybody. And he's a, the best shooter of all time already, and he seems to be just somehow getting better every year. So. Um, you know, he's only in his mid twenties. He's going to get better probably, or at least stay somewhere near this level for a while, you know, again, barring any catastrophic injuries. So, um, hopefully that doesn't happen and we can see just how good his career is going to be because he's on a a heck of a team that's in its prime and it should be good for four or five years and could really go on a, a dynastic run, which would be, which would be fun to be a part of from, from my standpoint, covering the NBA. Uh, from Kenner, which would be the NBA all offense slash defense teams? How would they match up in a seven game series? I don't know. I mean, I, I would. Your offense is always going to win. So without trying to figure out who these guys would be, uh, offense is going to win that kind of a matchup eventually. Um, frankly, because most of the defensive guys are probably not going to be good enough scorers to to uh, to carry the day. You know, you figure Kawhi Leonard's on that team, and uh, you know Draymond Green is on the defensive team too, but. 
after that, you're probably talking guys like Rudy Gobert and and Tony Allen, guys that aren't great scorers. And you know, I, I think it I think it would probably work out that the offensive guys would just get hot and and probably eventually win. Top the destination for Pau Gasol because he isn't re-signing with the Bulls, right? From uh, Keen, uh, Keen, I would say that's probably true, but I'm not positive. Uh, I think you could see Pau go a lot of places. I think you could see him end up with the Knicks. I think you could see him end up with Memphis. I think you could see him end up with a team like uh, like the Lakers. Maybe he goes back there again. Uh, maybe he goes to the Clippers. Uh, maybe he goes to the Heat, depending on what they do. If they let Pau, if they let uh, Hassan Whiteside go or something else happens. Uh, so um, I, I think Powell will be in demand, and uh, I, I think he'll, I mean, he could go to San Antonio. That would be pretty interesting. Um, I think, you know, he's going to he's gonna have plenty of suitors, and I'm sure he'll end up somewhere. Uh, what did you get the most right and wrong about the season prediction-wise? I think I picked the Rockets to win the championship, which is a colossal disaster of a choice by me. Uh, so that was a mistake uh, for the, when I was still writing at the New York Post. And I also picked the Wizards to finish second in the East. That didn't work out great either. Uh, I thought they were really going to take off with this smaller playing small ball and, and giving the ball to John Wall, I thought could potentially win an MVP and uh, just hasn't. I mean, John Wall's been great, but everything else just hasn't worked there. From Dave, uh, top five backup point guards in the league. Uh, Sean Livingston, I think, is definitely one of them. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is one of them for sure. Um, trying to think off the top of my head who else there would be. Uh, Darren Collison is a good backup point guard, but I'm sure there's better ones than him. Um, so I'm I'm blanking right now, which is not the greatest to to do this and then blank. But I would say the two I would say the two best ones that immediately come to mind um, are Sean Livingston and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, both of those guys are terrific and have been uh, huge catalysts for the Warriors and the Hawks this year and and uh, and and what they've been able to do. Uh, from Ben, hi Tim. Do you think there'll be expansion provisions built into the new CBA? Seattle and another team slash another team to make it thirty-two makes sense. Uh, as I said earlier, I agree with this. I do think that Seattle is going to end up getting into the league again as an expansion team. Um, uh, it's just the logical route to get back into the league. Uh, the other city, I think, is up for some debate. I think that Las Vegas will get a lot of attention when this happens. Uh, when this could be a long time away, it's not, I'm not predicting it's happening next month or anything, but, um, you know, whenever there is expansion, you know, Seattle seems like a lock to get a team. And then you've got Vegas, you've got Vancouver, you've got maybe some city like Montreal, you've got Louisville. Um, you could, you know, you could maybe try to make a case for some other places, but, um, I think that's probably the extent of it for now. And, uh, you know, I, the, the bottom line is, I think that is the way that Seattle eventually gets back in the league and that injustice can finally be, uh, be overturned from michael i picture you recording this in a dark basement by candlelight that's kind of a strange thing to think i am not i'm actually in a hotel room with a light on uh what big free agents do you think are most likely to switch teams well the funny thing about that is i think it depends on what you define as a big free agent uh i guess there's probably five guys that i could think of that are well maybe six if you count chandler well the, the the biggest free agent that's probably going to switch teams is Dwight Howard. Um, but I, I don't know if Dwight Howard's a big-name free agent anymore. Um, the guys at the top of the leaderboard in terms of, you know, who's the most important guys, um, you know, Kevin Durant, Al Horford, Mike Conley, um, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Al Horford, they all have 
Uh, Nicholas Batum was the other one. They all have different reasons that they'd want to stay. I guess I would say Nick Batum because I don't know if Charlotte is going to be willing to pay him a max contract, which I think it would take to keep him. Um, and Dwight Howard because I, I just can't see the Rockets ponying up the money that it will take to keep him as well. From Billy, while covering the sport, what is the most frustrating evolving part? Not necessarily hack strategy or AAU, etc. Hope this makes sense. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the thing that frustrates me, I think, a lot of the time right now is kind of this argument about, uh, for example, this stuff going on with Sam Hankey and the Philadelphia 76ers and you know, people people kind of saying, oh, that the uh, the math isn't working and uh, – that's the uh, these trying to break these arguments down into uh you know only about math or only about basketball watching games etc uh and 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 not expecting that there uh there are you know there there's separation there i if that frustrates me because it shows a lack of um it shows a lack of wanting to see the other side and it also shows a lack of understanding um, for the fact that all of this stuff involves all sides, from scouting side, from the analytics side, from the PR side. You know, as I wrote last week, I think Sam Hickey's out of a job because he didn't want, was not willing to sell his plan to people and to prove to them that it was the right thing for them to do. Um, and I, I think that's something that, that a lot of people, and hopefully for his sake, Sam, will, um, will, uh, will learn from as he moves forward. Um, got another question about the Sonics and the Grizzlies. I'm going to skip that one. Uh, what team is Andrew Nicholson on next year? Uh, I assume it's a fellow Bonaventure graduate. Um, I don't know. I, I think Andrew, is, there's a good chance he's probably on the Magic still. They have his rights. Um, if they offer him a qualifying offer, he'd be a restricted free agent. If they don't, he'd be unrestricted. Um, I could see them potentially offering him and uh, not tendering him, but I have a feeling they will, and... Unless he gets a big offer, I have a feeling he'll be back there again next season. Uh, from Bailey, does Memphis even make the playoffs? I'm not sure I see them winning another game. Who are your five to eight picks in the West? Uh, Memphis did make the playoffs since I got asked this question. Um, I think that Houston will miss the playoffs. I think they're going to lose to the Timberwolves on uh, Monday night, and that'll be it. Um, Houston just doesn't seem to want to play anymore. They seem checked out. It's been an incredibly disappointing season for the Rockets, and I just don't think they're going to find a way to win these last three games to get in. Um, from Joe, should the Wizards consider trading Bradley Beal for Boogie Cousins, and who should be their coach? Yes, they should tr- consider trading for Boogie Cousins. If they could trade for him, they definitely should trade for him. I don't think they can trade for him, so that's kind of a moot point. I don't think Boogie's anywhere near the trade block at the moment. Um, who should be their coach? I would like to see them hire Mike D'Antoni. If you want to play small, if Ted Leonsis wants to play small, go get the guy who knows how to play small better than anybody. That would be my choice. I think you could go for a guy like Sam Cassell. That would be interesting. Um, I think if you want to go for somebody like Tom Thibodeau, that would be a, a great move, obviously. Um, but I don't know. You know, We'll, we'll see what, what Ted's willing to do um, in terms of compensation and in, in terms of who he wants to go get, whether he wants to go for a big name or a, or a, a younger, you know, you know, a younger upside guy like Sam Cassell that hasn't coached before. So it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see what the uh, what the Wizards decide to do there. They're going to be one of the more interesting uh, 
teams in the offseason, especially assuming they do fire Randy Whitman at the end of the week, as or at least after the season, as it's expected that they will. Uh, by buckets and dimes, in your opinion, is this the year the Raptors make noise in the playoffs? Uh, I don't know what you define noise as. Do I think it's more likely than not that they get out of the first round? Yes, so then maybe it will. Um, I really like the, the guys on the Raptors, and I like Toronto, so I don't want people to think I'm just crushing them for some reason. But look, the bottom line is they've lost two years in a row as a higher seed, and they got to show me. they got to show me that they can win a playoff series until before I'm going to really believe in them. Uh, from Carlos, how do recurring in, reoccurring injuries to prototypical modern wings like Chandler Parsons and Nicholas Batum impact their value this summer? Honestly, I don't think it impacts it at all. Um, there's so few wings, period, and there's so many dollars available that I think those guys are going to get whatever they want, and uh, they're going to get paid very, very, very well in free agency this summer. Who's been the best rookie on a playoff team? Uh, hmm. You could go. Well, you could go with a few ways here. You could go with Miles Turner. You could in Indiana. You could go with Justice Winslow with Miami. Uh, or Josh Richardson, even off the bench, he's been great. You could go with Stanley Johnson with Detroit. Um, you, you can go a lot of a lot of different ways there. Um, I don't know if there is one definitive answer in either conference, but um, but I, I think that you know certainly you know Winslow and Johnson have been very good for their respective teams um, all season long. So I would probably say um, give them a uh, give them a tie on it because they both played key roles for much of the year. Uh, from Kevin, any insight on one of your podcasts or Q and A's on the team and your thoughts on where they should go in free agency? That is a question about the wizards. Um, well, they're going to keep Brandy or they're going to keep Bernie Grunfeld. I believe uh, that's what uh, basically my, uh, my colleague Jorge Castillo does a great job on the wizards said that, uh, little reported last week that Ernie Grunfeld has a year on his deal. Um, and he's expected to be back. So I think he'll be there. And I just kind of ran through who the coaches will be. So let's skip on from that one too. Um, let's see. And I think that's, I think that's probably all of them. We ran through a lot of questions there. Um, this, this week is going to be, this week is going to be interesting. Um, you know, we've got the next three days to try to figure out who is going to make the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of excitement around who's going to finally get in. You've got the three, four, five, six spots in the East where it pretty much could end up any different way. And who's going to play? Who's going to play who? I know the NBA is definitely rooting for a Miami-Boston series because that would give them one really exciting series in the East the first round. Otherwise, they're going to want to put the entire conference on NBA TV, I think, other than the Cavs. Uh, you know, I'm interested in a lot of these teams, but if it's you know Atlanta-Miami and Boston-Charlotte and uh, Toronto-Detroit uh, or Toronto-Indy, you know, Whoever Cleveland plays, people are going to watch, but everybody else is going to be uh, tough to get people to watch on TV, even though those are all going to be, I think, very interesting, fun series, uh, especially if it's to Toronto-Detroit. If it's Toronto-Detroit, I'm not sure if I would definitely say who's going to win um, any of those three middle series, which is, which is not normal. So, so that'll be fun. And the bottom of the West is total chaos. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of where those teams are going to finish up. They basically all have the same record, and um, it's going to be interesting. I, I do... I do want the Clippers to play the Blazers in the first round. I think that would be a really fantastic series. Um, I, I think I think that would be really fun to watch. So I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to see that. Um, but I think we're probably going to wrap up there. Um, 
this week on the website. Uh, I'm going to run through, I'm going to have two different uh, awards every day for the next five days, starting on Monday, uh, beginning with uh, Most Viable Player and All-NBA Team uh, nominations from me. Uh, and then I'll, I'll run through uh, all the major awards, Rookie of the Year, Defense Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year, uh, Six Man, uh, Most Improved, even though I hate it, uh, and then the All-Rookie and All-Defensive Teams. So um, there'll be plenty to uh, plenty to check in on that. Uh, we're continuing the post-mortem series, looking back on as teams get done with their seasons. Um, we'll be looking at uh, the the Kings on Monday, the the the. Uh, and then the often mentioned on this on this particular podcast, uh, Washington Wizards on Tuesday and the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday. Um, those, the, those days might slip a little bit around, but those three teams will be the next three days. Um, so you can look forward to that. Um, we're also going to have a bunch of playoff preview stuff. I'm hoping to do a big blowout podcast, try to get um, a guest on from every team to talk for a few minutes about them, you know, hopefully – you know, it depends on time constraints um, for me. Uh, that's because I'm going to be out on the West Coast, uh, specifically with the Warriors going for win number 73 on Wednesday, uh, which should be, you know, a hell of a, a hell of a night in Oakland at, at Oracle Arena. Just one of the one of the true uh, fantastic settings left in the sport. Uh, it's a real old school arena. I suggest to anyone who has not been to a game there yet, to please go to a game at Oracle and see what it's like. Uh, it's just a, a great, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the fanciest place. It's not the, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a lot of these new arenas, but it is a, it is a fun old barn to watch a basketball game in. And, and Warriors fans were great fans when the team wasn't good, and they're just as good now. So um, it should be a lot of fun to, uh, to catch a game there if you haven't yet. Um, as for the rest of my stuff, uh, you can, you can find my work at the Washington post. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can follow me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Um, you can, uh, you can please, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. That'd be really great. It really helps us out on a lot of levels if we get reviews of the podcast and, and even if you don't like something about it, if you can, you know, I've had people email me about some technical issues. I apologize for them. I apologize. There's been some uh, some delays in getting podcasts out. Uh, as I've said to people, it's kind of a, a one-man operation here. And at times there might be some some technical glitches or some delays because of either illness or, or just running around with work trying to, to keep stuff going. But um, I enjoy doing the podcast. I've really appreciated how many people have said how much they like it. And my hope is that, you know, as the playoffs go on, like I said, I'd love to try to do one, you know, every couple of days and, and try to just keep checking in on what's happening. So hopefully there'll be time uh, for me to be able to do that. Um, you can also find the podcast on SoundCloud on the Washington Post SoundCloud page. If you search for that, it'll come up and you can find it on Stitcher uh, if you'd like to use that as well. Um, I think that's probably good. Oh, and uh, the theme music for the podcast is, is provided by Glenn Yoder in the Western States. Um, one of my good friends and, uh, and a, a guy I've enjoyed working with so far at the Washington Post is, uh, does a great job. And uh, his band is awesome. I went and watched them in, uh, in New York not too long ago. And, uh, you know, if they go on tour again, you should definitely check them out. But uh, I'm glad people have enjoyed that song, too, because it was, it was pretty cool Glenn, to let me use it. So um, with that, I think we'll sign off for now. I'm going to go uh, get my stuff packed up and go to the airport to fly to uh, – 
to my next destination. Um, hopefully I didn't ramble too much. I've, I've only got a couple hours sleep the last couple of days, so uh, I'm sure it's people like Sam Amick who were giving me a hard time but not getting much sleep last night are going to be laughing that I did a podcast at, at 4.30 in the morning, but um, hopefully you all enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to uh, to being back here again later in the week as uh, – it's a, it's a a crazy week with what well, you know. Frankly, I haven't even mentioned it, but you know, Kobe Bryant's retirement, uh, his final game is on Wednesday, and that's that's become an afterthought. So that just tells you everything that's going on in the association right now, which should should make for a fun few days leading into what should be a really awesome playoffs on a lot of levels. So, thanks to all of you for following along in the various ways you can, and I'm really looking forward to to being in touch with you more as we get into my favorite, you know, eight or nine weeks of the season, which is the uh, the NBA playoffs and the run-up to what should be, you know, a really great culmination with the NBA Finals. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again soon.